welcome to the Words and Pictures podcast. I'm DJ Bowman Smith and this is Words and Pictures podcast number 50. This week my guest is the thriller writer Chris Curran and she'll be telling us all about belonging to the Crime Writers Association, her new book and much else besides so stick around for that. So at my desk this week, well at my desk this week I've had a do I always say that I've had a funny moment? I think I probably do. Um, yes, it's been it's been a bit odd. I had a very odd week the week before with lots of my dog was ill and one thing and another. And um, yes, yeah, so it was a bit of a trying week. So when I kind of got back into this week, I thought, right, I'm really going to press on. I'm going to get loads done. And also we had the distraction of a big, rather fabulous family wedding, which was great. Um, but yes, lots of distractions. And I found that I couldn't quite get on with getting on, if you know what I mean. And it was like, it's like I couldn't sort of get settled. And I was, I was very tired, uh, among other things. So I couldn't sort of get on with it. Uh, What I found the anecdote was to have a really big clean up in here in my office. I thought, well, if I'm too tired to kind of think and do some writing, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a massive tidy up of my office. And I've kind of got boxes of stock and bits and pieces and packing materials and books everywhere obviously and notes and goodness knows what else so I decided that I would have a really good sort out of the room and and have a bit of a not just a bit of a tidy up but a bit of a clear out as well so I cleared out some drawers to make some space for stock and I had a really good clean and I washed the windows and washed the casement and I cleaned all the desks down and tidied everything up and, and got it all into ship shape and uh, funnily enough it worked like a magic charm so the next day when I just kind of got up and I kind of saw my my nice tidy office I thought oh my gosh it's so nice in here now so um yeah so I would say that if you are having a moment where you think actually I can't go on with this I've got too much to do but I don't even know where to start which I think especially the indie author life I think it can get a bit like that what with the marketing and the well, and the podcast and the writing and the illustration and all the other things, and two author names. Sometimes I do find that it does get a little bit on top of me. But what I found really helped was going, right, well, let's not worry about any of this. Let's just tidy up the space where you spend so much of your time. And um, yeah, it really made a big difference. You know, I put some new things up on my pin board to look at. I straightened out all the bookshelves. I, I had a bit of a chuck out, threw some old notebooks away and, you know, sorted out, you know, drawers full of stationery and you know, threw away all the old pens and, you know, I mean, ridiculous things really. But anyway, it was great and I've had a really good clean up and it smells nice and fresh in here and it feels like a good place to, to be, a good place to work again, uh, which is which is terrific. So yeah, so that's me. I had a big sort out and um, and I'm back on it, which is great. And I'm just about, as I'm, as I'm doing this, I'm just about to uh, actually send out the ARC copies for The Midwitch. Uh, if you would like to be an ARC reader for The Midwitch, um, then do get in touch with me. You can find uh, a link on my on my um, website. Uh, there's a little exa- there's a little sample there that you can listen to. There's the blurb, obviously, and uh, there's a little thing that you can sign up if you want to be an ARC reader. I'm, I'm happy to still send out ARC copies at a later date if you obviously listening to this a few weeks after I've actually sent them out. But if you want to do that, if you think, oh, I meant to have done that, well, yeah, come on, I'll have you. It'll be good. Um, so yes, so that's that. So anyway, enough about me rabbiting on as usual. Come and meet Chris Curran, very lovely lady. I know you're going to love her. On the Words and Pictures podcast, my guest this week is Chris Curran. She writes thrillers. She also writes as Abby Frost, and her latest book is When the Lights Go Out. So hello, Chris, and welcome to the podcast. Hi. 
Hi. Hello. It's lovely to see you and, and to hear you. So, um, so Chris, you've got quite a few thrillers there in your stable. How many books altogether at the moment? Um, six books out. Yeah. Um, one book pending. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Lots, it's always lots nice of others in the bottom bottom drawer. In the, in the bottom <laughs> drawer of your mind, isn't it? I think you know you've got, yeah. always got the next story. Are you like me? Have you always got stories stacked up in your head? Oh yes, yes. yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm editing one and writing another at yeah. the moment, and that's the usual. Yeah, yeah, I'm like that. I've always got plenty of ideas, plenty of stories, you know, whizzing around my head. And it's more a, a case of uh, what, which one to pick to write next. You know, uh, usually the one that's bothering me the most. Yeah. I find I find that's my that's my thing. Tell us about your latest release, um, uh, when the lights go out. Tell us about that book. Um, well, it's uh, it's the first one that I'm based on a, a, an incident in my real life. I mean, your your books always, your life always plays into your books, doesn't it? But um, this one is the first that's, that's based on an incident in my real life quite some time ago. Um, and the girl in, the, in the, the main character, Ava, in the book, very early 20s, which was kind of like me at the time. So um, it's about a, um, a, a young woman who joins, she's in a... a a not very successful actress just starting out and she joins a, a local uh, theatre group a, a local to uh, the Gloucestershire countryside uh, particularly the, the Forest of Dean and they happen to to save money they all live in the same cottage and uh, as soon as she gets there she realizes that um, this is a very tight knit group. Um, they've all actually they formed the group when they were at uh, drama school together. So she's kind of an outsider with one other, and then awful things start to happen, which may or may not be related to her. Uh, and can we can we can we know can we know what the incident was? Chris, that, that, that's triggered off the writing of well, the story? It was that I joined a theatre group in ah. that as a young, uh, very unsuccessful actress, which is why I I'm no longer do it. But, um, yeah, it was very similar. Obviously, those awful things didn't happen. Nobody died. Um, it wasn't frightening like that. But it was a sense of being an outsider with a lot of people who were very, they, they had started the group in drama school so they're all very close together so I had that sense of being an outsider which I think makes you feel doesn't it makes you feel a bit not exactly threatened but uneasy perhaps yes. sort of started from there because I thought well what if something right away had made my uneasiness be much more potent much more real that I really had a reason not to feel uneasy but literally to feel threatened and so then Ava became a different person. Obviously, she wasn't to me. Her background was different. And there were there are things in her background that give her reason to feel she might be threatened as well. And she has secrets, as in psychological suspense, people tend to do. <laughs> yes, yeah. Br brilliant stuff. And and I think sometimes if you can base any of your um you know, any of your writing on some of your real life experiences or stuff that you know about or stuff that you've yeah. felt, um, e even sort of vicariously, you know, it, it brings a real um, reality and a trueness to the mm. writing, you know, so even though 
you know, you're you're making her situation much worse than you found yourself in. You you can bring in that unease, you know, um, but ramp it up a bit. I think yes, brilliant, yes. well done. So that's <laughs> ramped it up a lot, a lot. Yes, <laughs> so that's exciting stuff. I like it. Um, so you're, I know, I noticed that you're um you're a member of the Crime Writers Association. Um, what's yeah. that like? What's it like being a member of? I'm not a member of any association. I probably should be. <laughs> So well, I've always been a, a union person. When I was a teacher, I was in the union. and uh, Oh, yes, I was a teacher, yes. So I was I for many years. Uh, the Crime Writers Association is quite a small uh, group, thousands of members, but but uh, I'm not sure exactly how many, but it's quite a small group. Um, it's expanded recently because um, when I first joined uh, and for since I think it's 70 years old or something, since it, it started, it, um, it it only had um, uh, admitted members who were published by major, by publishers. Um, and recently we've opened the doors to independent published, independently published, because now there are so many and they are so successful. Yeah, it, 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 I mean, it's done kind of like a union. Um, we have chapters, so I belong to the southeast chapter because I live in the southeast, and so we have small meetings and discussions in our groups, and then there are big meetings. You know, it's done like a normal union, but it's it's useful for it, having information about crime generally, networking, meeting people. So it's mm-hmm. it's. it's, uh, it's it, it it was quite old fashioned, I think, but it's now become much more open. Uh, you know, particularly in inviting everyone who writes crime to a certain level in, and so on. So uh, um, it it doesn't help you get sales, I don't think. But... Well, it, it, probably, it probably does in a roundabout way because I always yeah, think I that everybody's yes. everybody's your reader. Everybody's yeah. your reader. You know, because I put this oh, yeah. I put this podcast out, and people sort of think, well, that's just for writers, but actually. I don't know the writers, the writer's husband. We all read. Everybody, yeah. reads, you know, and and I think it's a good it's a good thing just to get yourself out there. But also, there's a lot to be said for networking, finding your tribe, and um, finding people to sh- either share your knowledge or get some knowledge from them mm-hmm. in order to you know make everything go go along. Yes, good stuff. Um, I, obviously, I when you before people come on, I look at all your bios and I read all your bits and pieces and I'm I'm very amused as I'm sitting here with my pinboard in front of me I have a big picture of Daphne du Maurier on my on my pinboard and I see that we both love the book Rebecca. I adore it I mean it it sort of um, mentioned as the first psychological I, I prefer psychological suspense psychological thriller although it thrilling sounds better I suppose but anyway she um, is is cited as that. I'm not sure whether she was or not, but I mean, Rebecca is the perfect gothic psychological. Yes. Just couldn't beat it. You know, you could you could you have others that are that are great, and, and uh, not just Rebecca, but uh, my cousin Rachel is is. Yes, I like that too. Yes, yes, yeah. You know, so tense, um, and and I think with with both of them. Um, particularly Rebecca perhaps you you can read it at I've read it so many times I bet you have too yes you can read it at different uh, periods of your life and it feels like a different story yes because you are yeah. reading you think Maxim is a gorgeous hero and wonderful man and then as you read through the book you're thinking ooh, 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 I'm not sure and then, then you get to the end and, and it feels 
as it was publicized, I think, um, the, when it came out as a romance. Is it a romance? I'm not at all sure. You know, does it have a happy ending? Yeah, it is. It's quite um, it's quite ambiguous. Yes, yeah. and I, I love that. I mean, yes, yeah, yeah. I and I think it's just so haunting the whole thing of it. That, and yes. I think, uh, obviously, I mean, you know, most writers, you know, I'm sure you, you and I, you know, I read a lot and I read everything. Um, yeah. but, but it's it's incredible the books that really stay with you. And I probably read that in my twenties the first time. Yeah. I've read it many times since. And like you say, I always find something different about it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, let's hope we can all write something like it, or not like it, but with with that kind same lasting quality. You know, I think we're all striving to be able to do that. Yeah. So yes, I've got Daphne, Daphne up here on my pinboard, peering down at me, you know, probably shaking her head. Going back to what you were saying about your real bringing your own life I mean definitely de Maria clearly she loved it she was writing about the house yes, yes. about the house that she lived in that she loved and and um and I think she was abroad being forced to live abroad because her husband was in the army when she was writing the book so there's this feeling of being away from the, yes yeah so yeah she definitely used her own life experiences yeah, yeah, and how you're always sort of harking, harking back to somewhere the way where you were as a you know in your youth. Yeah, amazing. Um, yes. Anyway, enough about that. <laughs> I'm sure Daphne doesn't need any uh, publicity. We talk about it all day. Sorry. Absolutely, yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah, we won't. We won't even start on Donna Tart. Let's not. Let's not go there. We'll just leave that one for another time. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, happy days. So, um, now the other thing which I thought was really fascinating. This is just a funny, a funny thing. So you write standing up. You're the only person I have spoken to who says they write standing up. Uh, have you always done this, Chris? No, it's or, funny. or is it a new thing? It's funny that people that is a question I constantly get. And all I can say is I'm not the only person who writes standing up. And now standing desks are actually becoming popular. They're a thing now. Yeah, I started doing it before that. Um, and uh, I started doing it when I used to write in the, the dining room of our house. And, and my husband had built a, a bookcase. And it, I, I, when I started writing a, a lot, you know, before that, I'd, I'd, had a, I'd sat at a desk or table and sat down. I found that my Having been a teacher, I've always been on my feet, thinking about and so on. I found I, I hated it, sitting down, sitting still. I couldn't really get on. Um, and I had back problems, which so many writers do. So I started trying uh, to write standing up, and I just found it so much better for me. It helps me to act out my, and I told you I started acting many years ago, act out. The, the action and even small things like, oh, somebody hands somebody's, and I think, would, would they do it that way or would they? And so I feel I can, I, I'm not static. I find it very difficult now to sit writing down. I sometimes do, but yeah. I find it very difficult. And it just, I don't even notice it. You know, people say, don't you get more tired? No, I don't even notice. Sometimes at the end of the day, if I've been working all day, I think, Gosh, my, my my knees are hurting, uh, but I I do it, and apparently Charles Dickens did it. So yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, that's what I read somewhere, and I'm prepared to believe that. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. think 
like I do, which is prancing around before me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. well, you're obviously you know typical teacher. We think on our feet, don't we? And, Absolutely. Uh, I think, yeah, I think that's that's definitely a part of yeah. it. And, and actually, um, I am a terrible fidget. I, I must say I, I do sit to write, but I'm I pace also. Um I and I do that a lot. And I also um speak all the speech out as I'm Absolutely. as I'm working. Yeah, I, I I do all that and go go through it. Yeah, and talk to the dog and all that kind of thing. But no, I'm I'm a terrible fidget. Perhaps I should try and get a standing desk. I mean they say it's better for you, don't they? Well, mm, they do now. Yeah, they discovered it after me. <laughs> yes, exactly. You're the pioneer, the pioneer. Of it. So do you think you'll treat yourself to a nice writing desk or do you think you're you're just going to carry on prop it, propping that? Or are you a bit like me? Like, I'm a bit funny about changing my thing as if it's going to break the spell because I could probably do with a new desk. And this chair actually broke last week when my husband was away. I had to sort of strap it up with the belt um, because the back fell off. But my husband said, go and buy a new one. But I'm like, oh, no, will I be able to write in a different chair? Probably not. It's <laughs> rubbish of course yeah so I don't like to change anything I feel superstitious I think yeah well I've had to change because we have moved house fairly recently and so I I can't I haven't got the same room for a start I haven't got the same bookcase because it was a built-in bookcase but I have got another bookcase of the same height I may I should get myself a, a desk because I know um, people have got them and you could adjust you could do all sorts of things if you get a good one you could do a standing you could do a um, a, a partly sitting you can do all sorts of things with yeah yeah because I think we're all trying it's very important I think to look after your physical health as a writer because mm. you know whatever you're doing or actually even if you're just working at a desk I think if you have a quite a quite sedentary job you yeah. um you tend to say I mean I do a lot of my artwork as well you can see behind me um Chris can see this big white thing behind me that's my drawing board which is a standing drawing board so I'll stand and draw funnily enough and, and if I'm doing mm. an for my children's books or something like that I'll stand there all day and just draw and and I don't mind to do that at all but um I I've not I've not got into the typing standing up I'm not sure that I could do that really <laughs> yes that's, that's that's another thing to learn I think yeah happy days you write under another name Abby Frost do you write mm. a different genre under that name or is it something that the publishers have made you do or yes it was really it was the publisher's decision although I mean I could have argued, or I, I, I actually decided on the name myself because they did suggest a couple of names which I really did not like. I've forgotten what they were. In discussions with my editor, we we thought um, we'd do something a bit different, um, like the Daphne du Maurier. I'm a, a big fan of any classic crime, golden age crime, and it was his suggestion. So why don't you write something that's more a golden age crimey so we thought of a um a house you know the gloomy house the closed circle kind of thing mm -hmm. um and so uh i wrote that one uh, um and it was set in a different place i before that i'd set mine in hastings which is where i was living at the time um but the funny thing is that my uh, books now sort of verge towards the, the, the or my Certainly the latest book that's out is a bit more Abby Frost in a way, although it was it was contracted as Chris Curran. So it's funny because uh, the um, When the Lights Go Out is also set in a, an enclosed sort of situation, although not quite so enclosed. They, they don't get trapped in that cottage as they do in the, in the guest house, which is the Abby Frost book. So it's funny, it, it you know, you I don't know. 
I could I could imagine writing in a completely different genre and keeping it very different, but because it's a similar genre, mm. it, the, the, the guest house was more gothic with a touch of horror. The one before this book, um, that was the Abbey Frost one. I don't know whether I'll do, I'll carry on with that name or not. One could have been either, really, uh, this When the Lights Go Out. We, we, and, but I wanted an, a new Chris Curran one. Yeah. So really, my yeah. next one should be an Abbey Frost, but I'm not sure it's going to turn out that way. The way, the way, uh, you know, the way it's turning out, the way I'm writing it. Mm. So I think it, I think it's quite difficult. I mean, I I keep two author names because I write for children. So the stuff that I write for adults is quite scary, and even if it's not that scary, my new thing's not that scary, but it has got a bit of spice in it, um, yeah. if you know what I mean. So yeah. uh, you know, I wouldn't. I don't like to. I don't like it to cross into the children's no. stuff. So I write under a different name. Yeah. And I keep different websites and social media for the two things, although. Anybody that knows me, D.B.G.D. and Smith knows that I also write under the other name of Tiger Molly. Um, but it is a complete pain having two author names. And I think it's I think it is definitely twice the work. I, I mm. would think, you know, unless unless I think my advice to authors would be that unless your work is so markedly different and you're writing, you know, for like for younger people or young adults or and then other stuff, which is more scary. I, I really wouldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't trouble yourself because I think it's. I think it's tricky. Anyway, yeah. that's my thing. <laughs> well, perhaps other people can do it better than I can. I'm sure they can. Um, so you're, you're published by a small press, um, Chris. Uh, how how does that work out? Is I'm that- not. I'm, I'm published by HarperCollins. Oh, HarperCollins. HarperCollins. Yeah, I so thought it's one we- of the big five or six, whatever they are. I thought you were. One more chapter. One more chapter. Oh, that's what I think. I think I imprint. saw that and I didn't realise it was an imprint. No, of it's an imprint of HarperCollins. Oh, cool. oh, well, that's and nice. So, so Abby it... Frost is published by Harper Fiction. So that's one of the reasons for a different name. Different thing. Yeah. Different cool. So, so one more chapter is that it looks when I looked on their website, I didn't realise it was HarperCollins. I beg your pardon. Um, but, but it looked like a nice. Uh, it looked like a nice place to be. It looked kind of friendly. I kind of like oh, the look is. of it. And uh, does it yeah. feel not such a big ah uh, as like the big the big boys? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you 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 have a, um, a I suppose that happens anyway. I don't know, but you have a personal relationship with your um, with your editor, mm-hmm. uh, and and that's there aren't that many editors in the particular imprint, you know, and they stay within the imprint. So it all works out that way. So, yeah, it feels, but it is quite nice to go visit HarperCollins' grand, huge offices. You know, yeah, brilliant. And things like that. And then you go along and you're given books, uh, lots of books from all the imprints, you know, so you come away with a huge, unable to, get back on the train because of a huge bag of books to read so it's it's good kind of nice to be in a small uh little pool in a big ocean yes <laughs> yes well said yes yeah that is that is nice I started off with uh, what was called killer reads with HarperCollins and then um they amalgamated with another imprint called Impulse I think it was Impulse uh which was a, a, a romantic one so now there's a sort of um bigger i suppose we're a bigger group but still um not huge you know i, I don't feel as if i'm part of a huge conglomerate really you know? no it's, it seemed more individual look, it looked kind of like it had a nice individual personal feel to it that was that was the thing when i just yeah. glanced but then at. you also get to take part in to go to harper collins grand summer parties and things like that you know so you, you 
kind of the best of both worlds, I suppose. Yeah, great fun. So did you meet anybody famous at the big parties? Uh, <clears throat> I never meet anyone. I see them. Other people go up and approach them. I don't. I don't. Um, who? Oh, it was uh, the Earl, Earl Spencer was there last oh, time. Oh, yes. Yeah. But I don't approach people. I, a typical I, writer. I, stand at the back and watch. Take I go up and ask their autographs or whatever, or have a selfie. That's the big thing. But um, I don't. I don't. No, I don't. No, no, I just stand and watch as well. <laughs> I would as well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. see what they're wearing and tell tell the um that i did see one that that i won't mention his name because it wouldn't but it was he was a writer who i really liked and i happened to be talking i didn't know that but i happened to be talking to his publicist and i said oh i love his books and he said oh don't he hates to be a pro oh i understand so i won't yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But i could i could understand that yeah uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's well. It takes all sorts. Um, you know, my both my daughters work in the theatre, and um, you know, they they come across all sorts of um, famous people, and quite often send me pictures of them. You know, all sorts of people, and uh, and it's interesting how they react to their fame. Some people are right friendly and just take it in their stride, and some people yes. can't go near them. You know, and you have yeah. to sort of creep in and be pleasant. And it's it's quite interesting to uh, hear what they're really like from the backstage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is which is interesting stuff. Yeah, fantastic. I have to say, most most famous uh, crime writers are lovely. Yes, Those crime yes. writers are lovely, but yeah. the famous ones like Lee Child, uh, who I would never approach because I'm five feet tall and he's six foot six, I think. Yes, yeah. He's tall anyway, but I have seen him and he's very friendly and has lots of selfies with people, but I, I wouldn't dare. Um, and Ian Rankin, he's another lovely person. Uh, you know, these people um, walk about wearing their badges at, at, at conferences or, or literary festivals as if anyone... You know, was, as if they didn't know who we who he was, yeah, which is sweet. Isn't it? Yeah, which is so sweet. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It it is it is very nice. I think. Um, yes, happy days. Well, it's yes, fascinating. Well, I think also it's it's fascinating to um, always be interested in people, and I think uh, the the famous authors that I've read met at different conferences and different things over the many years. Um, it, it's interesting the people that are still interested in the small person are generally much nicer they're interested in everybody and they you know they're willing to have a little chat and they're, they're not on their high horse and yes all all good and all good and well i think happy days and i don't um, think you could interested you can be a good writer if you're not interested exactly in yes exactly and i think if you're always watching and 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 listening and taking it in i think that's part of the your observation skills are a very big part of your writing and i don't think it matters what you write yeah no. I, I think it's definitely and i'm always listening to how people speak and all that well obviously doing the podcast but you know very very closely in a minute when I edit this but uh but you know I'm always listening to people's speech patterns and looking at mm. the, the funny little movements that people make when they're talking and all that kind of thing yeah it's it's endlessly interesting and possibly that's why we write really just to show everybody how very observant we are <laughs> <laughs> well to make sense of it to make sense know, of it yeah that, yeah about that yeah. Uh, another thing that we share. So we've got a few things in common. We like Daphne de Maurier. Um, we are um, we're both old teachers. 
Uh, we're both five foot, I've realised oh, as well. Right. Yes. <laughs> we're both of an age, Chris, and we're both, oddly, omnivorous readers. I read everything like you yes, do. I don't have too. a genre that I stick to. So what are you reading at the moment? Oh, um, I've been reading a lot of um, a woman called Vera Kaspari. Oh, yeah. Uh, as I say, I like classic crime, and I'm always looking for, for different um people and she was one I just happened to notice that um the the, the famous film noir Laura do you know the famous film noir Laura that no. directed O Preminger it had Jean Tierney in it and uh, Dana Andrews I think you say his name anyway it's it's a it's a wonderful film noir from the 40s and I happened to spot uh, this lady's name as as the writer I thought oh she's a screenwriter then you know, serendipity, I went into a second-hand bookshop and found a book called Bedelia. And my mum's name was Bedelia. She hated it, but it was her name. It's good name. So I like it. It was written by Vera Kaspari. And found out that Vera Kaspari was a, a you know, though she was a screenwriter, she was a novelist. Um, and she's written lots of, Bedelia is another one that was filmed in, in the UK, actually, with um, Margaret Lockwood in the in the 40s again, and um, uh, so I'm reading everything of Vera Kaspari, so I do that, I don't know if you do, you get a, get you find this, discover this person, and you start reading everything of theirs, um, so that's what I'm doing at the moment. No, I'm the other way. I flip from one thing to the other. I, I've I've just read um, uh, I've read some crime stuff by Mark Dawson, and I'm now reading Monty Dom's book about his dog called Nigel. Oddly, <laughs> well, I don't, yeah, and I don't know why because I don't I don't like gardening particularly myself, but he writes rather well actually, Monty Tom. Yeah, if you've ever picked yeah. up any of it, and it's rather. It's quite a nostalgic sort of country feel about it. It's it's rather well written. It's quite a nice, it's a pleasant book, you know. But I'll probably, I don't know what will come under my nose next. But whatever it whatever it does, you know, I'll just take. So no, I'm I'm a bit like I've read that. I might read if it was um, if things are in series. I'd finish the series, you know. If I was reading a book that was part of a series, I'd, I'd do that. But I wouldn't necessarily then go on and read the rest of that author's backlist although I might go back to it another time but I'm always like having read something that was a bit of a horror story recently um suddenly I want to read about a gardener and his dog you know? yeah absolutely well why yeah. not and yeah. children's books as well I mean I read children's books all the yes. time yes I love children's books um but yeah you you uh, on the subject of series I mean I don't write series um although a, a lot of crime writers do and are very very successful and that's the way to hook your readers I know that it's just I don't want to do it uh, when I first uh, tried to started sending off my work to agents and publishers they all they all yes they all said uh well yeah it's all right but write a series and then we'll be interested pig-headed didn't carried mm -hmm. on allowing my lonely uh, psychological suspense um row and um eventually some uh, somebody an agent came back to me and said oh that book you sent me ages ago um, it, um could i read it again because i realized that psychological suspense and standalones coming back into fashion and they have they, they went out i think and now they're coming back again mm -hmm. all the people 
write series and now writing standalones. Oh, well, I think it comes and it comes and it goes. But I think I think you've got to do what you feel fits, fits fits with you. Yes, absolutely. And I, I think lots of people do these things where they where they don't necessarily write a series, but they take the characters and then take them on another journey or side yeah. characters become yeah. the main characters and there a lot of people do that kind of thing mm. i i do write in series um that's just how my mind works i can't write short stories I write a very long story you know co- encompassing five or six books i can't write you a short story no, i write <laughs> short stories i love writing short yeah, stories no i can't i can't i can't do it it's just too much i can't i can't fit it into <laughs> a couple of thousand words and i certainly can't do the other thing they say oh write a story in you know that flash fiction thing that people do you know 150 words no <laughs> i do that i like doing that as well i'm lazy i want to get it finished <laughs> yes yeah oh, no, i know it's something uh, finished in a day you you know You've done it. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> my chapters tend to be short. My scenes tend to be short. My books are not that long, you know. Um, uh, but apparently, again, that I'm coming back into fashion. That's- You're back into fashion, and that's that's the best way to it. You know, you know. I knew if we all stuck around long enough, Chris, we'd all come back into fashion. <laughs> bit like bit like a lot of my clothes, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Happy days. Anyway, Chris, we're just counting down the time. Where can people find you, Chris Curran, online? Uh, ChrisCurranAuthor.com is my website, or um, I, I, for Twitter, I'm Frosty Abbey, at Frosty Abbey, and then Instagram, Chris Curran Writer, I think I am there. So all those, just just Chris Curran and you'll find me. You'll find me, yes, exactly. And it's it's been Oops, lovely. Anyway. Yeah, it's been lovely to talk to you, and I'll put all those links in the show notes. Thanks for coming on the Words and Pictures Thank podcast. It's lovely. I've enjoyed it. Thank you very much. So lovely to talk to um, Chris Curran about all her stuff, and fascinating I think to think of uh, those big parties with very famous authors wafting about and kind of having getting the chance to watch them and nice to know that Lee Child is such a nice guy (laughs) one of the authors my husband likes to read a lot of yeah so interesting things and this is the fascinating thing about doing the podcast you just sit these people down and have a chat with them and it's nothing could be more you know nothing could be better really okay so next week my guest is Heidi Swain and she's a best-selling author uh, Sunday Times best-selling author with a passion for hearth and home and she writes feel-good fiction so um, that'll be you know more fascinating stuff we'll see what we can learn from another traditionally published author so there we are then that's the words and pictures podcast I'm DJ Bowman Smith and you can find me at www.djbowmansmith.com or as a children's author at tigermolly.com and that's it then talk to you next week bye-bye